in our practice. It's often helpful to recognize if there's certain patterns of experience that recur and then to explore those. Getting familiar with them, beginning to recognize them, recognize the conditions in which they occur, how they come together, how they fall apart. We can learn a lot by observing phenomena that happen to us over and over again, seeing each time we see a pattern, a familiar pattern, it's like we get a different perspective on it. We learn a little bit more about our minds. And so tonight I'd like to explore, to talk about a particular pattern that we all share in spades, one that happens to all of us quite frequently. And that is the pattern of the mind wandering out of the present moment. The wandering mind. So this is actually a pattern that we can be interested in. We can explore, we can learn something about, we can learn about our minds. But it's often a pattern that we We, we think is something that we, we just need to dismiss in order to get back to the present moment. So I'd like to share with you tonight some of my own exploration around this pattern. Some of the things I've learned, some of the things I've understood. and hope to encourage you to make your own exploration. And also in this exploration, in this sharing, I'd I'd like to point to the fact that I'm just picking one pattern here, one particular pattern that we may not necessarily think is so interesting to particularly explore and to encourage you to whatever pattern, whatever pattern is common for you, whatever pattern is a familiar one for you, it is well worth exploring. There's so much that you can learn. So many patterns in my own mind, I kept thinking, well, when I get past this one, that's when the practice will really start. And what I've come to see is that it is through these very patterns, through understanding, exploring these very things that seem to be in our way, that 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 is how our practice deepens. So the wandering mind... The wandering mind is a term we often use for the mind that loses touch with the present moment experience. 
a wandering out of the present moment. It's kind of a, a way we think about it or almost the way it feels at times. And there's a lot of different ways that this pattern manifests. Some of the more frequent ones, especially earlier in our practice, earlier in our settling into a retreat, are active reflection, active thinking. The mind picks up on a theme and starts thinking about it, about the past, about the future, planning or remembering, or even describing the present moment. And then there's the flavor of the wandering mind that is more of a charge out of the present moment. There may be some kind of emotional reactivity that's coming up and the thoughts hook into that emotional reactivity and just run away into a pattern of frustration or anger or wanting, loneliness, whatever the emotion is, often there can be a charge of thoughts that are related to that. Kind of a mind storm. (laughs) Then there's another flavor of this wandering mind that is much less charged. It's more just almost a a drifting out of the present moment. The energy perhaps is a little low, not quite connecting with experience, and the mind just kind of floats out of the present moment. And you may notice this in thoughts that don't have any much particular meaning to you. They may be dreamlike, or they may be... uh, just strange words floating through your mind. So often this is a manifestation of the energy being a little bit lower. And then there's another flavor that is kind of um, spacing out. You know, it doesn't necessarily have much thought connected to it, but just that the mind kind of loses touch with the present moment experience. We find ourselves almost in a zoned out space. Again, probably not too much charge to that, and in fact may feel kind of pleasant, but not so much connection with the present moment. So these are just a few of the flavors that I've seen of ways the mind can leave the present moment. But a general quality of all of these is basically a state of very low or non-mindfulness. And that's actually what's happening, is that the mind is in a state of low or non-mindfulness. The mind doesn't actually wander anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. The state of mind shifts, and mindfulness is not arising in the moment. That's kind of the 
the flavor of what we traditionally or typically might call the wandering mind. There's not much we can do when the mind is wandering. The wandering itself, when we're lost in it, very little we can do about that. We can't make ourselves come out of that wandering. Essentially, we cannot, when we're in a lost state, we cannot willfully choose to have mindfulness re-arise. It has to re-arise on its own. So, and it will, fortunately, re-arise on its own at some point. And when mindfulness re-arises, at that moment, that is when we can be, that is a place where we can begin to explore our experience again. So I'd like to explore this phenomenon of the wandering mind kind of from both sides of where we wander. The easiest place, the place I'll start with, is the, uh, the places we can wake up. And then I'd also like to explore a little bit about the ways we wander, the, the ways that the mind starts to wander. There's so many things that we can learn by observing this process of the mind wandering out and coming back in either side of that phenomenon. We learn about our, our own minds. We learn about the personal patterns of our minds, how we get caught in certain patterns of thought, We get familiar with the flavors, the way, the habit of our mind, the the familiar ways it gets caught. And so one of the things we learn about is our kind of personal proclivities, what we tend to get stuck to. Just by recognizing, and one of the ways we recognize that is we recognize the flavor of what we are waking up into when we come back, when the mindfulness re-arises. We also learn more deeply from this phenomenon that the mind is basically out of control. We sit down to meditate. We have the intention to be present. We choose an object perhaps. We bring our attention to the breath. And we have this intention to stay present. But our choice of that doesn't seem to hold much sway over our minds, and the mind just 
does its thing and at some point will wander off. We have very little control over the fact that the mind wanders out of the present moment. There is some The mind has some ability, when we are mindful, to choose mindfulness. It's not us doing it, but we do have some small amount of, there is some, the processes of our mind have some choice in what happens in our mind when we are present, when we are mindful. I'll talk a little bit more about that part in a minute, in a few minutes. So there's, a, there's very little control we have over the mind wandering out of the present moment, but there is some degree of choice that can be made at that point. We have no control over how long our minds wander. We have no control over when that moment of mindfulness will spontaneously re-arise. And we often think of these things as problems, you know, that we don't have control over our minds. We feel like I should be able to not have the mind wander. But this process actually points to the very deep truth that there's very little control. Our minds are out of our control. And if we kind of explore this, we see that this is actually a pointer to the Buddha's teaching on not-self. He pointed to this in the second discourse that he gave pointed to this aspect of out of control the processes of our mind and body are are out of control and I'll just read you a section of this he talked about the the processes of body of form of feeling of perception of intention, of consciousness as all being out of our control. And he restated it for each of these aspects. I'm going to read it with respect to consciousness. Consciousness is not self. If consciousness were the self, it would not lend itself to dis-ease. It would be possible to say with regard to consciousness... Let my consciousness be thus. Let my consciousness not be thus. But precisely because consciousness is not self, it lends itself to dis-ease. It is not possible to say, let my consciousness be thus. So how many of us would choose, if we could, to say, let my consciousness be thus? That would be wonderful but consciousness does not lend itself to that. 
we usually explore our experience. We, we often meet our experience, navigate our lives, navigate our world through a perspective of me, of mine, of I, the sense of self. And because we have this view of self, because we're seeing things from this perspective of self much of the time, it influences how we perceive our experience. And we may not see things that don't conform with that belief or that view. We have the view, the belief of self. And so much of what we perceive, what we recognize, how we take it in, confirms this belief for us. We don't always notice things that don't confirm it. And the wandering mind much of the out-of-control nature of our experience is just such a piece of evidence for not-self. And so this simple experience of the wandering mind can really point us to a very deep truth if we can take it in. the exploration of the wandering mind can also support an understanding of cause and effect. We see something that triggers a memory. We start thinking about that memory and we're lost. Kind of a pretty common way to wander out of the present moment through some sense experience that we start thinking about. This is a cause and effect process. It's a pretty simple process. And there isn't anyone responsible for it. There isn't anyone here kind of doing it. It is a process of mind. Process, a natural process that the mind, in recognizing something, the associative nature of memory creates this effect of a a memory arising. If we're present for this process, we can see this cause and effect relationship unfolding. And we see kind of almost eerily that it is just happening. It is simply a process unfolding. Again, kind of underscoring, giving us evidence for this teaching of not-self. So through the exploration of the wandering mind, we can learn things about our kind of personal patterns of mind. We can begin to 
recognize the out-of-control nature of the mind. We can begin to understand something about cause and effect. We can also begin to learn something, appreciate something about awareness itself, about mindfulness itself. Begin to get familiar with the experience of what it is to be aware. So the easiest place to start this exploration, at least in my own experience, the easiest place to start this exploration of the wandering mind is in the moment when mindfulness re-arises. That moment when we remember, oh, I've been lost in thought, or I've been spaced out, or disconnected from experience. Mindfulness has re-arisen. Often in that moment, there can be a little bit of judgment Sometimes subtle, sometimes really obvious. Just a little bit of a sense of, that's not what I was supposed to have been doing. I sat down to meditate. I sat down to be present. My mind was off. That wasn't what I was planning. And so we can have a little bit of that judgment come in when our mindfulness re-arises. You're all familiar with this. When we can really recognize and accept and really acknowledge the out-of-control nature of the mind, we begin to see there's no point in judging the fact that our mind has wandered. Causes and conditions arose that made the mindfulness go away. Causes and conditions arose to make the mindfulness come back. In the moment when mindfulness comes back, it's already back. There's nothing to come back to in that moment. Mindfulness has already re-arisen. Can you take an interest in that moment? What is that about? One of the things about that particular moment that I find really interesting is the fact that my mindfulness has re-arisen spontaneously. It didn't take any effort at all for that moment of mindfulness to arise. We so often find this practice of being aware of mindfulness of practice to involve a lot of efforting and doing. And that moment when mindfulness comes back is a pointer to the possibility of an easeful quality of mindfulness. So our usual instructions in that moment when mindfulness re-arises, the kind of familiar instructions we explore, notice what you're waking up into. Often it's thinking. Mindfulness has re-arisen. What are we aware of in that moment? Thoughts, perhaps, planning, worry, judging, fantasizing, ruminating, arguing, describing, whatever it is acknowledging whatever it is that we have woken up into. Sometimes I like to suggest, you know, thoughts are pretty potent forces in our minds. And they have a a creative power that is quite amazing. 
So when we've gotten lost in thought, when our minds have gone off in thought, often they have not just created the world of thought, but they've created a whole complex of emotions and body sensations as well. So when you wake up into thought, what has been the impact of that thinking on your experience? Just taking a moment to recognize that. And to recognize mindfulness is here already. There's nothing to come back to. If you can be aware of what you've woken up into, that is enough. If you're practicing mindfulness. Of course, if you're practicing concentration in that moment of coming back into awareness, recognizing that moment of awareness, the choice there can be, Oh, I'm back. Okay, let me come back to my object of concentration. So that's the moment that we have some choice in our experience. Of course, it can be really helpful to notice if there has been some kind of an emotion that's been created because our mind has wandered off into thought. it's been kind of a charge out of the present moment that the, the mind going off into a, um, a pattern of frustration or desire, it may have generated the feeling of frustration or desire. So taking that in, recognizing, oh, that is part of the impact of that experience. So these things are helpful in terms of waking up into our uh, recognizing what we've woken up into. And as I mentioned, I think, yesterday morning in the reflection, sometimes when our mind wanders out of the present moment, it can wander into beautiful emotions, wholesome emotions. It might wander into thoughts of dear friends from that you've spent time with recently. And the feeling that's been generated by those thoughts is metta. Or perhaps it's reflected on the mind has wandered off into an offering that you made. And the joy and the generosity of that offering may be the impact of those thoughts. So sometimes the wandering mind can wander us into beautiful qualities as well. And in the waking up, it's really helpful to recognize those qualities. And then we can explore the feeling tone, the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect of our experience when we wake up. If the mind is charged off into worry or frustration, the feeling tone probably unpleasant. If it's wandered out into fantasy, the feeling tone may be pleasant when you come back. One of the things in this exploration around the feeling tone I've particularly found helpful around the wandering mind is that the very drifting, sometimes in the low energy state when the mind just drifts out of the present, that can often be a very pleasant state in itself. And sometimes it's almost the pleasantness itself that has 
that we've gotten lost in. The, the mind is kind of gravitated in that low energy state. The mind is kind of gravitated to that pleasant experience and just gotten lost in it. And so in the waking up, experiencing that pleasantness, it can bring the energy into the present moment and we get the benefit of feeling the pleasant that the mind had kind of gravitated to but without awareness. So those are kind of looking at the, almost the content of what we wake up into. Looking at the thoughts we wake up into, looking at the feelings, the emotions, all of these things. What, what is present as we come back into awareness? And then there's another side of this waking up that I'd like to explore with you. And that is the recognition of the, kind of the familiarity that we can get with the, the experience of mindfulness itself as mindfulness comes back. For me, this has been, the exploration around this has been kind of seeing if I can touch into the, the moment that that mindfulness re- returns. At one point on a three-month course, that became kind of my, my practice. I could see you know, the mind wandered out of the present moment a lot. So I started getting interested in, well, how soon can I notice that I'm back? And initially, as I explored this, it was, um, it felt like there was kind of a lag. It was almost like when I consciously recognized that the mindfulness was back, there was, it was like there had been a little bit of kind of fuzzy mindfulness that had preceded the clear recognition of the mindfulness. The clear recognition of I'm back. So sometimes it feels a little bit like climbing out of the mud There's a little bit of mindfulness and then we sink back into whatever we've been lost in. And a little bit of mindfulness and we sink back. And a little bit of mindfulness. And at some point, the mindfulness kind of recognizes itself. Oh, I'm back. Here I am. An interest in that moment. What is the feeling? What What is it like to be aware? In that moment... When mindfulness re-arises, it's a great time to explore what it feels like to be mindful. In, we can't really know what it's like when we're lost. The mindfulness isn't there to really take that in. But in the moment when mindfulness re-arises, there's like a lingering memory of what it was like a moment ago when we were hazy, disconnected, not present. And in this moment, there is the clarity of being aware again. And so we begin to get a a sense of the experience of that clarity, of what it is to be mindful. This feeling of mindfulness is actually quite Oh, familiar in a way. Once we start 
to recognize it. It's there in so much of our experience. We just don't quite... We're we're more interested in what we're aware of and not so interested in the awareness itself. So this exploration of it, what is awareness? What is this mindfulness? So our meditation practice gives us a lot of opportunity for this, to explore this moment. In a day, hundreds, maybe thousands of times we have this moment when mindfulness returns. And for myself, this exploration around getting interested in that re-arising of mindfulness, getting interested in the mindfulness itself, was a really helpful exploration in terms of letting go of the judgment around the wandering mind. It didn't matter how many times my mind wandered. Every time it happened, I had this opportunity to notice this distinction and get familiar, a little bit more familiar with this feeling, this sense, this experience of mindfulness itself. So this familiarity with, uh, with mindfulness serves you, actually, because this moment of remembering, this moment that mindfulness realizes, it happens actually to us more than we consciously recognize. It's like we'll get a very brief moment of recognizing something in the present moment, and then we will move into the recognition of that thing and start thinking about it or doing something with it. So we very quickly move from a kind of recognition of something into even very naturally responding. You know, we we are in the bathroom and we hear a faucet dripping. You know, so there's there's been a moment of awareness maybe not conscious mindfulness, but a moment of awareness of that phenomenon. And the mind will um, kind of immediately, very naturally goes to take action, turn off the faucet. So in a very simple way, we are kind of designed to respond to what we experience. We're not so um, familiar with, or we're not so, it's not so much up for us to recognize that we have become aware, that we have become mindful. So the familiarity with this experience of mindfulness, with what it is to be mindful, begins to point mindfulness out to us more and more through the day. It's a very, very helpful exploration, and one that begins to encourage us to recognize more of these spontaneous, effortless moments of mindfulness, which happen a lot. And when those moments arise, when, we're, when the mindfulness returns, the processes of our mind have some choice. We can, at that point, then choose to cultivate mindfulness more consciously. 
We, we, we count on these spontaneous moments of mindfulness for the process of meditation to even begin. So the more we can recognize how frequently they happen, the more we can connect with this lighter touch to mindfulness and connect with our intentionality. Be present when we are already mindful, bringing our attention more clearly to experience. Then there's the exploration of the wandering mind of looking at where the mind wanders out of the present moment. That place where we are aware and the mind kind of loses touch with what we're paying attention to and either drifts out or charges out. We can actually see this start to happen. It is possible to watch the mind begin to get familiar with the, the beginning of the wandering. It's a harder place to explore. It's much easier. It's much more uh, obvious to us, the moment of waking up. The moment where the mind starts to lose touch with the present moment, it's a subtler experience. But a little bit of understanding about how this process can happen can can raise some interest in this. How How does the mind wander out of the present moment? The Buddha actually has a very clear description of this in the suttas. He says it starts with Sense, per sense contact. There's the eye, there's the sight, there's the contact, there's the sense, the eye consciousness, the meeting is contact. And with the contact, there's feeling. What one feels, we perceive, we recognize it. What we recognize, what we perceive, we think about. And what we think about, we tend to start mentally proliferating about. So this, this thing, this happens to us all the time. You know, we're sitting in meditation and there's a sound, a creaking floorboard. You know, so that there's been that sense contact, the sound, the recognition of the sound, a creaking floorboard. And then there may be some thoughts about it. The building's getting a little old. The floor didn't used to creak. Maybe, maybe I should offer some Donna so they can fix the floor. And I wonder if they really can fix the floor. They probably have to tear up the whole thing and shut down the whole retreat center. And the mind is off. So from sense contact, this is a very common way for our mind to wander out of the present moment. When mindfulness is not present for some part of this process, that's when the mind wanders. So we can watch this process happening. We can begin to recognize how this process unfolds. Now, we can't, you know, it's not that we can um, force ourselves to see this process. Actually, my own experience and exploration of 
this level of investigation is that usually it begins to um, be, be more apparent as the mindfulness gets more continuous. And it's not something I can do. It's not something I can decide to say, oh, I'm going to look at how that process of perception leads to thought, leads to papancha, leads to that mental proliferation. But the more continuous, the more present we are, the more we can begin to see how these processes work. I've worked with people on other retreats describing this process. And, you know, it's like it doesn't necessarily resonate in the moment or it's not something they can see in the moment. But then a few days later, suddenly they're recognizing, oh, I see, this is how the mind does this. So just, it's kind of like just putting this information in the room may help you to be able to see a new process in your minds. This is seeing cause and effect at work. We see sense experience, cause and effect. A a memory arises based on that sense experience. We see the thoughts arise based on that memory. We see perhaps an emotion created based on that. So we begin to see how things unfold. Cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. And at times it can just really just be this like dominoes falling. Not me doing it, but just one thing triggers the next, triggers the next, triggers the next. When the mind is more continuous, it can watch this process unfolding and gain a sense of the not-self nature of these processes of mind. We can also wander out of the present moment on, on a feeling tone as well. So, you know, we t- I talked about, you know, wandering out based on perception leading to thought. So some recognition of something. That's a really common way for our mind to leap out of the present moment. Concepts arise in the mind, and we think about concepts. We can also wander out of the present moment just based on feeling tone, without concept being involved, necessarily. I mentioned this a few minutes ago, you know, you're, you... you the mind kind of moves into a pleasant state and then just kind of drifts into pleasant. Not so much thinking about it, but just the feeling of pleasant. We can get lost in pleasant. Breathing, you're paying attention to the breath. The breath gets really comfortable. The comfortableness gets really pleasant. And the mind just kind of drifts off into a pleasant and zoned out state. Not particularly thinking, but also not particularly present. So exploring, you know, we can see that the mind can wander out of the present moment when it gets hooked to a feeling. Another exploration I've had around wandering out based on feeling tone, and this is an interesting one, when feeling tone gets kind of neutral. Something I've recognized in my own experience when there's not much feeling tone happening. That can be a place where our habits are ready. Our, our habits 
Our patterns of mind are ready to just jump in. So an example. Um, on one retreat, I was starting to experience quite a bit of neutral experience, no neutral feeling in the body, a lot of really calmness in the mind, so not a lot of either, you know, really pleasant or unpleasant experiences in the mind. Just really, really balanced, calm, quiet body. And by that point, I had learned enough to uh, have the idea in my mind that when things get neutral, maybe, maybe, just maybe something really good will happen that the neutrality itself is kind of like a doorway to something. And so I'd get a little bit of this expectation arising, a little bit of, ooh, is something going to happen? And when nothing happened, the mind hooked into its habitual pattern of, oh, I'm a failure. I can't do this right. I'm no good. So the mind went from neutral experience where not much was happening, to picking up on its pattern, habitual pattern of essentially self-hatred in this case. So being interested in how the mind does what it does around neutral experience. It's a very common place for the mind to kind of leap into. It's like there's not much else happening and the, the familiar patterns are very likely to pick up when there's not much happening. We can notice also an, another exploration around the mind beginning to wander. We can begin to notice kind of when the mind starts to lose a little bit of the kind of contact with what it's paying attention to. So for instance, you're paying attention to the breath, noticing the experience of the breath, right with the breath. And at some point in that, you might begin to recognize a little bit you know, that the mindfulness and the breath are right together, and you might begin to recognize there's a little bit of a, less of a contact of the breath and the mindfulness. Like there's, the, the, the mindfulness is still present, but it's just not quite as connected to the breath. The, the mindfulness has let go of the breath a little bit. On one retreat, I could see that. I could see the mindfulness start to let go of the breath. And when I noticed that, since I was paying attention to the breath, I noticed that there was a little bit of, it's almost like less clarity of the mindfulness, less clarity of the experience. So I began recognizing, oh, the mind kind of isn't as clear with the breath, so come back. And I did that, and the mind kind of kept letting go, and oh, come back, come come back a little bit more closely. And after this happened, I think, four times, three or four times, I finally recognized, well, you know, the mind has let go of the breath, but I'm mindful of that. Let's see what the mind is doing. Rather than having an agenda to bring it back to the breath. Let me just see. If, if, I, if I'm mindful of the mind leaving the breath, let's see where it goes. 
and the mind, the mindfulness opened into a kind of a new, broad, kind of um, more spacious awareness. It was very new for me. So, kind of being interested in where the mind is leaving the experience. Now, there were kind of two choices there. When you're aware, you can choose where to direct the attention, but you can also choose to follow the awareness. Stay present with what the mindfulness is kind of naturally orienting to. Watching essentially what the mind is naturally doing. There's some conditions that kind of lead to the wandering mind. The kind of obvious ones of the you know, defilements arising, of thoughts, you know, reflecting on the past, reflecting on the future, thinking about the present. These are kind of the obvious ways. The mind can also wander for some other reasons, and th- this I really want to to um, to put out there because early on in my practice, or at some point in my practice, I I um, I thought that if my mind was wandering, it meant that I needed to be doing something more. You know, that I w- I had obviously stopped being properly aware if the mind started wandering. But there can be times in practice where, particularly if you've noticed there's been a kind of a period of pretty steady mindfulness, a period of time where the mind has been fairly present for the breath, present for experience, you know, if you're doing concentration or open awareness, just present without a lot of wandering. And then suddenly, if you notice, the mind is starting to wander. In my experience, it often doesn't mean that suddenly I've lost the efforting, it sometimes means that the mind is settling into a new level. So, for example, a couple of examples on this in different ways. So sometimes as the mind starts to relax and let go of the kind of outer layers or familiar layers of patterns of mind, Kind of like the, the, the normal structures of our mind start to fall away. Sometimes there can be some um, deeper things that have almost been repressed by those normal structures, those formal, those usual structures. And when those structures have fallen away, it's like there's room for things that have been buried to begin to come up. This, this does happen to us. It's like we, we drop through a layer and another layer reveals itself. It's not that we've gone backwards. It's not that suddenly we've you know, messed up. It's just that the mind has opened up to a new layer of things that hadn't been so obvious before. Or another way this can happen 
the mind begins to get concentrated. The mind settles into concentration. And the energy is not quite balanced with the concentration. The mind then just kind of almost slips or sinks into um, almost dreams or just the, the mind just goes into a, a kind of a, a space of um, dreaminess, of nonsensical thought. And again, this doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing anything wrong. It's just a, it's like a little bit of energy imbalance. For myself in that kind of space, I've learned that it's often actually not a very great energy imbalance. You know, if you're sitting there in, in meditation, you're sitting in, and fairly concentrated, and the dreamlike images are arises, arising, and you're not actually falling asleep, the, the energy is just kind of slightly off. And what I've found is that it just takes the very little bit of bumping up the energy to, to have it come back into balance. Maybe just simply opening the eyes or straightening the spine a little bit. Some very small adjustments. Earlier in my practice, I'd be like, oh, my mind is wandering. I really better try hard. And that would just send me into restlessness because I was over-applying the effort. So often that place of the uh, low energy where the mind just starts moving into dreaminess. It's just a little bit of energy that could be added to the system there. Then there's another interesting phenomenon that I find happening particularly with mindfulness, with, uh, with awareness practice, that as the mindfulness gets more continuous... I've noticed this on at several times on several different in different, several different forms. But as the mindfulness gets more continuous, you know, it's, it's like there's a, a certain time where you're really recognizing, wow, yeah, the mind's pretty continuous. Mindfulness is pretty continuous, really right there with experience, moment after moment after moment, and suddenly the mind starts wandering again. It's like, what's going on? When that happens, interest. Can you get curious about it? Get curious about what actually is happening there because what I've seen often happening is that as the mindfulness gets more continuous, it's kind of like the the mindfulness begins to gravitate towards subtler experience. And we can have an idea or an agenda about what we're paying attention to. It's kind of like our mind gets used to paying attention to experience at a certain level. We're used to experiencing this flow of body sensation and this flow of energetic experience and these kinds of ways thoughts appear. The mind kind of gets used to that. And it's almost like our, you know, our, our part of our practice mind has this Um, filter that says this is what we're seeing, this is what we're recognizing, this is what we're noticing. And the mindfulness being more continuous is 
actually starting to gravitate towards something a little different, a little different level, a subtler level of body sensation, a more uh, refined recognition of thought. And because we have this kind of agenda or this idea about what we're paying attention to, there's a mismatch. And those are places that I've seen when, when there's been a continuity of mindfulness and the mind starts to wander, I generally kind of step back and say, well, what is the mind actually paying attention to here? What's happening? And I'll often see that the mind has kind of moved, the mindfulness has naturally touched into a subtler level of experience that I almost hadn't been aware of, that I hadn't recognized consciously. So I'd like to encourage a curiosity about the wandering mind. There's so many different ways, so many different reasons that the mind wanders. And not always is it because we're not applying our effort enough. In fact, sometimes when the mind wanders, what I've begun to appreciate, especially on long retreat, like so many of you are here for a long time, and on retreats of this length, when the mind starts to wander, it can often be a kind of a hallmark that there's been a shift in the practice. Maybe one that you've not consciously recognized. There's been a shift in the practice. Can you open up and recognize what is happening now? Now, if you've been kind of spacing out and going for walks and talking on the phone and, you know, doing that kind of thing and you start noticing the mind wandering, well, then it may be that your, you know, your mind has gotten restless and agitated and that you need to bring the attention back a little more closely. But if you've been practicing, and suddenly, after a period of relative stability, suddenly the mind is wandering a lot. Get curious about it. There's so much to learn. Now I'd like to just finish by saying that I've talked about a lot of different ways that I have explored this phenomenon of the wandering mind, things I've learned, things I've recognized. And what I'd like to say is that I'm not suggesting here that you try to do or try to see things in the way that I've expressed them. Mostly what I'm hoping is that you'll be interested in this phenomenon of wandering mind and be curious about it. Look at it for yourself maybe having heard something of my own deepening of practice through this exploration, it might help you to have a a lighter attitude about the wandering mind, a more curious attitude about the wandering mind. If I've encouraged that, I feel this has been 
worthwhile exploration. And anything, anything at all that comes up for you can be explored with this kind of interest. Whether it's ordinary experience, feeling just like normal, ordinary experience, or whether it's self-hatred, frustration, anger, hostility, the wandering mind, states of bliss, whatever is happening, that is where the unfolding of your practice is. Explore that. Meet that. Be with that. So let's just sit quietly for a moment. Thank you for your attention this evening. And we'll end with the chanting of the sharing of blessings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.